0: Welcome to the future of music. My name is Jake Abel, and I started this podcast as a passionate music fan interested in how technological developments like Web3 and AI will disrupt and continue to affect the music industry. Each week, I talk with artists, entrepreneurs, and music professionals about all things music and tech. So whether you're a musician, industry professional, music or tech enthusiast, or just have a curious mind, I'm hoping this podcast can become a resource for you to learn from me and the incredible guests I have on and to prepare yourself for the future of music. This podcast is released in collaboration with Float, an experimental label, media company, and music platform I've been working with that helps artists create music and release it as digital assets. Check out the links in the show notes to find us on social media, see what we're up to and discover some incredibly talented independent artists. In the spirit of technological development, I have started using an AI model of my voice to create my intros. Steph Guerrero is a music industry professional with over 10 years of experience in shaping industry standards and best practices at major record labels and entertainment companies. She is an expert in content development, digital promotion and campaign strategy for community building and engagement with emerging technologies. With previous experiences, experience at Sony and UMG, Steph is now bridging the gap between Web2 and Web3 and building tools for artists. We talked about her major label experience, the state of Web3 music, community building, content marketing, her current job at Logano, and so much more. I hope you learned something new from today's episode. Here is Steph Guerrero. I guess let's get right into it. You were working at UMG and Sony yeah. previously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What were you doing there?
1: I started at Sony. A long time ago, 2009. Um, and there was no like formal digital marketing team or, or there wasn't anyone doing social media basically. It was just, uh-huh. um, they were kind of still <laughs> figuring out how to do it. It's you...
0: almost unimaginable. I know, right? <laughs> <great social media. laughs> yeah, that's
1: pretty much what it was. There was nobody doing social media. Like basically all that was being done as the music was being sent to iTunes and they were pitching to iTunes saying yeah. like, put us in the home but that was as far as it went there was no spend being done like in google ads yet or if yeah. it was it was very small and then on top of that nobody was really doing social media i think artist pages was starting to become a thing right. you know that was back in the day where everyone had their own facebook login yeah um so um i literally knocked on the door of like the director of marketing and she was this amazing woman um and I told her, "Hey, like nobody's doing this. I have a feeling this is gonna be a thing, so
0: <laughs> I have a feeling social media is gonna be popular yeah, exactly. I'm like, so just <laughs> we like should I'm the like, I see the college
1: kids into it,' so like we should probably do this, so <laughs> they um, yeah, and so they they made up a job for me, and, and they hired me, um, which is kind of crazy and that's how um that's how I started my career. I kind of always was in the digital marketing like, which really is just like technology and music like world Um, Mm -hmm. maybe not on the recording side but like definitely on the marketing side Um, so that's kind of what I always did Um, and then now in hindsight I see how most of what it's doing was basically community building just in a Uh different way
0: yeah
1: Um, and I always would teach to artists that like truly focus on community building and then worry about selling later
0: Were there, were people thinking like that back then? Or that was not, most people weren't really thinking like that? No,
1: they weren't. Well, artists didn't understand why they felt the need to connect with the community. Because before, it was like you went on a TV show. Yeah. People heard about your song, or they would listen to it on the radio. And then if they liked it, they would buy it, you know? Or, you know, they would go to your concert. You know, that was it. Um, It was also like around that time, Piracy had like kind of, decimated everything you know like while i while i was at sony i did see rounds of layoffs of course they don't leave me off because i was like a, an entry level hire that was very cheap So i was like we'll keep her like oh.
0: yeah she can do whatever exactly to do. yeah
1: exactly um but um but i did see i think two rounds of layoffs while i was there damn was happening yeah the sales team was completely when you were at
0: sony yeah all right.
1: the sales team was completely like dissolved because the sales team was was literally like still picking up the phone, trying to figure out like how to get CDs into stores, you know. Um, so it wasn't even
0: that long ago. Yeah, that no, seems it was so, not like archaic now.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, now the sales team is like pitching to Spotify, you know, like right it's become something else. But, yeah, but, but it's just been an interesting thing um, to see that happen.
0: Yeah. So wait, you started at, at Sony. You have- said Sony. Yeah. And then, when did you make the switch to UMG?
1: Um, Well, I did a couple of things in between while I was mm-hmm. at Sony. I realized, you know, the, the unfortunate or, or fortunate thing about uh, the music industry is they don't pay very well, and it's really hard for you to get promotions, especially when you're like a woman. There's so many things. But um, so I needed; I had to get another job. And uh, for some reason, I decided to experiment in like TV for a year, and so mm-hmm. I went to work with like the sports channel that. Um, that was being started Um, I didn't like it so I then I went back to work (laughs) Uh, no I mean it was fun because you know I got to learn something new and and I definitely do enjoy sports but I don't like working on weekends so an easy pivot to I need to go do something else
0: Um, Uh, you work on weekends in the music industry I feel like
1: You do, but it's more like, it feels more like a choice rather than, like, here it was, like, I was going to an office job on the...
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's that's different than, like, going to a show. No, I had to, like, (laughs) get
1: up early, go to the office, and then go home, you know, kind of thing, where I was, like, yeah. And then, yeah, so then I went to work for a radio conglomerate called uh, Spanish Broadcasting System. Um, And they have, like, top Latin radio stations in New York, Miami, L.A., Chicago, and San Francisco um and then i think that job is probably the best job that anyone can have in the music industry because you will learn a lot mm-hmm. but it's also the most grueling exhausting job you'll ever have
0: uh-huh um what are you doing with them
1: helping them again with uh social media and digital marketing um because radio does have like they would really have to worry about sponsors and brands and then they also put these events together and they yeah. like actively need to communicate and be very local and, and be part of the community so mm-hmm. you do learn a ton you learn a lot about marketing i wish i would have known some of those things before i worked at sony um yeah but it was such like a good learning lesson it was just very grueling and exhausting and i don't know I, my, my best advice to people that want to enter the marketing world is i say get a radio job because you will learn a ton but it's also going to be probably the worst job <laughs> you're ever gonna uh-huh. have um and then like move to something else because um, it's yeah that's that's just how, how it should be um but yeah so I was there for like a little bit and then and then I went to Universal Mm -hmm. and that was um and that was cool because it was different um you know I was like I had a refreshed point of view I didn't have like a like a label point of view um I I was able to see how how things had changed from like one label to the other
0: yeah
1: um you know like chart calculations for example Uh um you know no longer was it like so heavily driven and I could tell that when you're... That sales team is also, like, fighting for, like, yeah. every single bit of sale. Because that yeah. means, like, you might be one or two, like, s- spots in the <laughs> chart higher up. Uh-huh. Now that that's not the case. Like, that... You know, it's more about, like, streams. Like, how many mushrooms streams can we get? Yeah. How can we do that? I discovered certain things that were being done by the music industry, too, to, like, rig the system a little bit.
0: And how, like... The system of running up streaming numbers? Yeah, yeah. Funny?
1: Well, like, run... Because you can run up stream numbers for... And you can, you can still see that in, in, in like, it's very obvious how you can run up streaming numbers for like just the story of saying i got these streams mm-hmm. but because like the billboard charts they try to be really reflective of what's happening like in the ground and what people are actually consuming they, yeah. they they kind of play whack-a-mole with that so it's like uh-huh yeah you you say you have all those streams and that's the that's what the counter says but we know <laughs> what the real streams are and so this is Do how we? the chart's gonna count um <laughs> you can you can tell like when something is is there's also rules in place now. Like, there was a time where, like, all the streams counted. Now it's only, like, 10 streams per person per day per platform. Okay. So even if you're a super fan and you're trying to memorize the entire album of yeah. Beyonce, like, let's say, uh, like, all of, all of her numbers were real, obviously. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, or whatever your favorite artist is, if you're trying to memorize it. You're probably going to listen to it more than 10 times one day because you're literally sure. just trying to memorize right, it. Right, yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter because only the first 10
0: Yeah. count. Okay. Yeah. What were people doing to, like, rig the system? Some
1: people would just, like, hit play and, like, put it on loop and leave their computer. Um, You can, I mean, you can essentially buy YouTube views to, like, crank up the counter if you just pay for a pre-roll ad. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, and before, YouTube would just, like, deliver, like, here are all the plays, and they would just, that's how they would calculate the chart. And now, um... You know, they, like, remove those. They're like, no, if the the play came from a pre-rollout, then it doesn't count.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, So were you doing more digital marketing stuff at Sony?
1: Yeah. I mean, sorry. Uh, Universal. I started doing that, and then I I really kind of wanted to, and I don't know where labels are at with this or maybe it's different, but I wanted to start, like, a content marketing team because – I felt like that's where things were going. And you I, were ahead of the curve again. I know, I know, right? with the TikTok thing. And, uh, yeah, and I was like, I think we need to do that. We need to, like, like a, a service that a label should be able to give is to help artists do this because I, I know how, like, overwhelming it is to just sit there and figure out, like, what is it that is going to connect with my fans. Yeah. And so, like, maybe that's something that the label can help them do, especially because the labels, usually the ones saying, like, hey, you need to post more on Facebook. You need to, right, it. so like, or TikTok, whatever. So, I started doing that, and then I got this opportunity to just work for this tiny boutique sub label they had, which started as an EDM label, but you know EDM is no longer like the most popular genre, so it was starting to redefine itself. Um, you know, and unfortunately, like the, I, I don't think I was given enough time to experiment truly with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like a lot of like the top executives of the company left, and it just it didn't feel like the same place for me and so yeah and so what
0: artists were you working with at the the electronic label yeah
1: um so none of the artists I was working with were electronic anymore by the way okay all of the artists I was yeah um so I worked with uh bad gal um she's a a Spanish artist um and she does like she considers herself a rapper um and she does like kind of like dance hall she really got popular because she did a cover of uh work okay in in catalan mm-hmm. so like that that was kind of like okay. her thing and like catalan and spanish so yeah yeah so it's cool like she did this thing and then and now she's kind of like evolved to her own thing she's very much about like female empowerment like you know like kind of thing um so I with her there this artist from venezuela called nore who's like a singer songwriter Um, but again, like not actual electronic, (laughs) like all other things, um, because that label was was starting to evolve. And I think it was interesting because I feel like the creation of that label was rushed. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, it's all about EDM. Let's make the sub label to like, yeah. And then it wasn't really planned. I also feel like a lot of times labels believe, not only labels, like anyone believes that like money can drive taste. And I know that's not like I've seen that yeah. not be the case over and over and over. So
0: when you say money can drive taste, like you can just throw money at a project and people will like it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you can like basically like throw money at it, get a place on the radio, pay for plays, do right. all of this and then make give try to recreate this feeling of like there's something happening here. When yeah. I've seen that over and over. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's art. It's not gonna money is you know, it can get eyeballs on it, but it's not gonna make people Correct. like the art if it's rushed and
1: Yeah. It just doesn't if it doesn't connect, it doesn't connect. That's my main thing. Yeah. Um That's what I think and the cool thing is I never worked directly with Bad Bunny, but I did get to see like witness like his rise. Like mm-hmm. when I when I was at SBS, the radio station, he would just come in by himself, pitch his project. Really? Like, yeah, it was it was amazing and then then when I worked at Universal, like he would collaborate with with um a lot of the artists that I worked with, and it was like just great to see his growth. But I definitely always felt with him that he had something that would connect with an audience because he yeah. was very honest. It was, it was it all came from him and it was very himself. Mm-hmm. He had a great story, so um it's like I knew that was that was gonna work. Like I was yeah. like, this is gonna work because I can see it, I see where it's going, mm-hmm. I know what what he's standing for. And I was like, and he—it's going to get to a point where he can say anything, and it won't burn. Like, it won't burn him with some fans. And okay. um, I kind
0: of
1: feel like he's gotten to that
0: point now. Do you think that is like one of the biggest keys of his success? Is just like his story and background and like message? Yeah, like because he's—I he's, mean, he's like a case study in how an artist like breaks and blows up and becomes international, but. I feel like, you know, it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to pin down, like, how that yeah. actually happens.
1: I think he just has a very, very strong point of view. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important um, for people to, to connect with. Mm-hmm. It's, hard, it's hard to say. Because a lot of people, some people just want to be artists, and that's as far as, they, as they've taken, mm-hmm. you know, their vision. Um, and then, or, like, their dream is, like, I want to perform in such and such state a stage which that's fine but for him it was very clear that his vision was like this is what i want to talk about like i'm i'm the dude with a broken heart and yeah i'm gonna be brash i might i might be and he was a little more um kind of misogynist in the beginning but like i might like ruffle a little feathers but it's because i'm like i'm lashing out because my broken heart right Uh so that was his story in the beginning and people just hopped on it you know like that's something easy it's very it's very easy to connect with especially when like men are not supposed to you know expose their feelings sure and we of course we have other examples like that like you know there's a drake but because he came at it from like this different point of view and he came from a culture that doesn't welcome that at all like
0: uh uh-huh.
1: um it was just it was just slowly revolutionary and then he started kind of like putting all of these people on his back you know like his most his latest album has a lot of influence from the Dominican Republic and he worked with Dominican producers and sounds and he doesn't have to do that but he brought that into into the mix Mm -hmm. and it still feels authentic in some way um I don't know it, it he's definitely not shutting the door for people it feels like he's holding it open and that means a lot to the to his community but like to other people yeah Cause nobody feels left behind. I I don't feel like I've never been at a party where bad bunny starts playing and like, um, you know, people that are not Latin are like, feel like they have to like go to the sides. Uh Whereas like that happens when, when you play, you know, like any other kind of Latin
0: music. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so Sony with the electronic label, were you doing like the content marketing stuff like you were talking about?
1: It was, uh, it was Universal with a comp Sorry, um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, no worries. It's fine. Yeah, you're like major labels, major labels. Um, um,
0: <laughs> I'm also tired of selling. i a little sleep, but. Yeah,
1: we all are <laughs> at, at South By. It's been a rough week. I definitely feel my voice is like, you're done. Um, yeah, South By is a lot. Um, what was the question again? Sorry. Uh, electronic marketing stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was definitely still doing that. Um, but then that's when I really stepped into like, I was, I was in the periphery of just traditional marketing, but here I really stepped into it and what it meant and what it was going to be. And then I realized that the same thing, content marketing is really what you're doing everywhere. Like mm-hmm. you just have to build a story. Yeah. And so it was interesting to think of like, how can I create moments of success as they, so that I can like further the story of an artist. Um, so, you know, you, you get moments like you know let's have a billboard in times square and what does that mean Mm -hmm. for the artist or um something that wasn't that people weren't really thinking about is like i had this afro-latina artist and i'm like how can we position her to be like the top artist that fits this category Mm -hmm. so that she can kind of open the door and carry the baton so that was um those are the things that i that I was experimenting with as well. Um and then also like playlist pitching before for me was like kind of like an arms thing and like I sort of became really like enamored with like how does that work? Mm-hmm. How can I make a story? How can I make the appeal to the people curating this playlist in a way that is compelling. Uh
0: uh-huh. so like you know, business-to-business business marketing.
1: Correct. but uh, Which, I again, I still feel like it's content marketing. Yeah. I just feel like people forget, uh, people always forget that there's a story here, and, and that's what really connects people to an artist. Um, because it's very much, a lot of times people just want to say, like, here are all the numbers. Like, this is how well they're doing in streaming. This is this. This is the way yeah. you should program me. And at the end of the day, like, if, if it's not a story, like, it's still a person programming the playlist. So mm-hmm. For me, it was it was about that. Like, how can we pitch the story of this guy who had a really really tragic moment in his life kind of like define his entire career Mm -hmm. because i feel like that's more interesting than like oh his last track had this many streams yeah
0: Um, yeah definitely i mean humans just connect through storytelling more than anything that's like how we're you know literally wired like that's how evolution worked and exactly society in general like organizing people was all about storytelling and uh So, yeah, all that stuff still applies. Like, more than numbers, people will support people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's... And I also feel like that's what we're doing here on Web3. We're just supporting... Yeah, right. Like, it's really just about supporting people. Um, And I really want... Like, I want to do that same thing that Bad Bunny's doing, kind of, like, bringing everyone on board. Like, how can we, like, just help everyone and and make as many people succeed as possible?
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great mission. I mean... Yeah, and the Web three community is definitely very supportive, like that. Like yeah. The uh, what is it? The high tide raises all boats.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or
0: something. I forget what the exact phrase is, but I've been using that a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. Wait. So so what's so what's next in marketing and storytelling? You were ahead of the curve <laughs> twice already. What's next? Um. You like know, social media was definitely a big change. Yeah. And content marketing and storytelling like that that's where we're at now that's where we're at now
1: i feel and i'm starting i don't know the solution to this but i'm a problem solver at heart what happens with the artist's curve usually their career curve is there's a lot of connection in the beginning and the development of their career mm-hmm. because there's a sense of struggle and then as the artist succeeds they're just like there's like a distancing of the fan to artist relationship, even social media, like starts becoming less frequent.
0: Or um, less authentic, like, do people just have other people running it for them? Right, the right.
1: Or, or because, you know, like they started basically maybe riding buses around the country and now they're like have a private jet kind yeah. of thing. Um, there's just not relatability. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we have to, have to figure out a way to fix that. I think web three is probably like a good way to do that. Uh But I think that's the problem right now. So is that
0: the arc? You think it's like at the beginning, there's a tighter knit Mm -hmm. connection and then it just fades.
1: Yeah. So how do we, how do we,
0: you know, bring it full circle sort of? Exactly.
1: How do we like keep that connection tight? Yeah. And I'm saying that it's like a person who would literally like tell artists like you're no longer engaging. You need to do something. This is happening. Right. Right. Bad Bunny has somehow been able to like sustain that, yeah. that tight connection, right? Um, I don't know how long it's gonna happen. Like, I'm still kind of keeping an eye on it because it, it's interesting. If, if yeah. he's able to do it, then it's something to study. But, but I think that's that's what I'm concerned about. Like, how can we continue the authentic connection throughout the artist career? Yeah. Like, we need we need to figure out a way to do that, and that's that's why I believe that like Web three and NFTs are kind of the way to do it because. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have those like, like top of pyramid fans that are going to give you a ton of money because they love you and they support you. Right. But also, they want that connection. They crave that connection with mm-hmm. you. And so how can we um, just maintain them engaged? And that's,
0: that's what I believe. So how have you helped artists use that technology to do that and foster that connection?
1: I'm actually... So I'm working with a few artists, and I have this idea. And now that I'm going to say it on podcast, everyone's going to have it. Um, I would love to see it. And if you do <laughs> it, just say, "Hey, Steph, give me that idea." I don't. Have it. But so I'm working with an artist actually, and he wants. So in the beginning, NFT or during the bull market, NFTs was about how much ETH you can make. Right. Um.
0: Now it's kind of about how many mints you can get. Right. Not as much. Right, right. Not about fan, actual
1: yeah. ether money. Well, because we are in a bear market. But here's what sure. I think would be super interesting. I just want to say like how much value can you create for your fans. So mm-hmm. I'm working with a legacy artist, and he, there's a few fans that he's kind of followed along throughout his career. Very, they're very, very few. I'm talking about like probably like you can count them with your hands, like uh-huh. thing that he knows about. And I said like, how about we do this? We just like create free nft you give it to them you give them two but they're like a certified kind of like you're an OG fan like mm-hmm. i know you i remember you i love you so i'm giving you this and this is going to give you you know front of the line access to my tickets whatever i'm going to give you two so you can keep one and you can sell one and then whatever that sells at like you basically are gifting them that money right um for their support yeah and that's the story. The story is, like, how much value can this artist create for their fan base uh-huh. after all of this has happened? Yeah. I think that's, like, a cool storytelling and authentic way for, like, a legacy artist to step into the space
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then try to see if we can kind of, like, round back and, and, and bring that connection because those fans are still hanging on no matter what after all these years, after all this disconnection and distance. And so this is a, a cool way to, like, bring that proximity back. So that's that's kind of... Um, my idea like one way that we could do this and still benefit the fans too because a lot of times these fans are not necessarily millionaires but they are willing to spend three hundred dollars to see you every year in a yeah.
0: concert, you know dude my mom is a fan of the dirty heads if you know that band i don't they're but... like reggae rock uh sort of genre um and she is seeing them at like twelve different shows this year, that's <laughs> in the span amazing. of like five months. That's amazing. Like she's a super fan, and like you know, those super fans do that shit. Yeah, those they fucking, do. And that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for them. You know, and that's just the concerts. And then she buys T-shirts, and then right, you right. know, she wants access to you know stuff they do online, like.
1: Yeah, so they're willing to spend, like, a few thousand dollars. And they've done this through, like, their lifetime, too. So, like yeah. imagine if you have a 20-year career. Right. Like, they've already spent all this money on you. So, this is, like, a cool way for you to give them something back, create that connection. And then you know that they're going to have, like, I don't know, maybe even discounts. Or, like, I'm going to yeah. give you free, you know, front row ticket. You know, which, you know, would be yeah, I mean, I,
0: I think I think it definitely, like, NFTs have the... A- potential to like revitalize like the fan club yeah yeah like that use case i think is still like sort of not getting done that much but like still very much there like if you have the if you have the fan club nft you get pre-sale and exclusive merch and like yeah. meet and greets and like every, super fans want that yeah for sure
1: correct yeah they they value that and i think that's a crazy thing to me that a lot of times we get caught up in this, like, NFTs or investments kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that, like, what ended up happening with the rise of streaming is we cut out the super fans. Like, we basically just catered to the passive fans. Yeah. And then the super fans didn't have an opportunity to, like, connect. You know, like, how many, like, in-store meet-and-greets exist anymore it's like very rare like yeah. I used to go to that when I was like a kid I, w- uh-huh. I would show up, I would buy my CD I would show <laughs> up I would stand in line and I would get my CD signed like that was a thing and it yeah. meant a lot to me you know like book signings are still a thing yeah. but like album signings are not and so it's like
0: why right I
1: know it just makes me sad and so I feel like that's that's kind of what NFTs could be you could just kind of like revitalize that a little bit and give um, music super fans or music nerds as you know that one project is trying right. to call them um, just an opportunity to have that to have that that relationship yeah. and and it's not necessarily about having this relationship with the artists for clout it's just literally because you love them
0: yeah right like yeah. you know it's the thousand true fans theory like yeah. you don't you only need a thousand people paying you a few dozen bucks a year a year or something, you know, a couple dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. To, like, you know, sustain, which is what most artists want, at least at the start, is just to sustain off of music.
1: Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think I think that's really what most artists want, you know, because most artists, when they do get to succeed, they're like, well, how can I help other artists? Or, like, they, they start their own labels. Yeah,
0: and yeah, help. yeah, yeah. So I
1: think most artists understand that. There is a group of artists that obviously, like, They want to get to the point that they can have all these things that they can front on social media. (laughs) And that's fine. There's like a certain section of society. I do find it interesting how like each generation has the thing that they care about. Like Gen Gen Z and like the younger generations are really going to care about the planet Mm -hmm. and all these things. So like maybe this whole idea of like fronting your wealth is not going to be as welcome. Yeah. Because it's actually going to be seen like, oh, you're flying a private jet. So you're polluting the planet and you're like
0: well, you know I mean? literally yeah it's like literally like that's that whole like already uh, criticism made. for sure yeah oh 100 <laughs> and so like oh so you have be- six cars That that's so much gas pollution exactly yeah <laughs> and
1: so i feel like it, it's funny because those like i like the younger generations are not going to care about those things yeah. you know and so i um i can't wait to see like what what you can front about in social media in like 10 years. It's
0: going to be super interesting. You know, how, how many trees you planted or like, exactly. I don't know, random exactly. shit like that. Uh, did you, were, were artists doing fan clubs when you were working at Sony or UMG?
1: They were. They were trying to collect. So we, I did a lot of email collection. So much email collection. Mm-hmm. But um, every few years, there's like new legislation that gets passed either here or in Europe. That basically says you need to double opt in the people again. You need to confirm that you can keep their data. You need to know that you can contact uh-huh.
0: them. How are you doing the email collection for like?
1: Um, in the beginning, believe it or not, it was like a sign up sheet. Like when you would have an event with people, be uh-huh. like, if you want to receive information, please give me your email. Yeah. Um, you know, then eventually it was like either tablets tablet or like the artists would like put it in social media. What they're like saying in social media, like, hey, Here's- if you want to be yeah, there. Okay. There was always like a. Like a box in the artist website, but nobody was going to artist websites. Um, yeah, if we, even now they're still not going to artist websites. To right. be perfectly honest, um, which is a shame because I feel like if you want to get all the information about one artist, the best place to do it is on their website rather right. right? yeah. than on social media. But such as yeah,
0: like, I definitely veer towards social media when I want to yeah find out more about one hundred percent.
1: Well, there's a lot also less friction. It's really hard to pull someone out of a social network or a site yeah. that's designed to just keep you there as long as right. possible. Right, yeah.
0: so. Those sites have gotten pretty good at yeah. doing they that. they have. <laughs> they
1: absolutely have. And, um, you know, kudos, kudos to them, which is interesting because I, I don't know if you saw this, but, like, the CEO of TikTok said he doesn't let his family use TikTok.
0: <laughs> really? I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, uh, which I thought was funny. And, like, maybe it was, like, you know, like, fake news that I that made it onto my timeline, but I... It definitely made me think, um, because you know, like why, yeah,
0: I don't, I don't with, know that I would, you know, his, yeah, he's probably like, well, you know, I'm running this company and the point of it is designed to just keep people locked in and doing nothing right. with their time other than watching videos. Exactly. I don't need my family doing that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's, and it's, it's really hard to pull people out of one place to another. Um, but I hope that's not always the case. I hope people that are seeking what they want to seek, they go to it instead of, like, being stuck in, in
0: mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, the true fans will and do. And so, like, yeah, how do you cater that experience for them? Yeah. Um, what, so, that, so that's your idea for, you know, one, you know, NFT super fan club. Mm-hmm. What have you done with other artists' work, like, because you do some consult, like some project management, consulting stuff with yeah. with artists that are putting out NFTs, also, right?
1: I honestly, with artists, with developing acts, I just do it out of love more than anything. Yeah. Um, so it's really right now. I feel like the web three space is more about experimentation. What can you do mm. that makes sense? Um, I really want to do this layer project, but I feel like it's, it takes it has a lot of cost on the development side and. I yeah we just need to get some funding for it but there's a site called music match if nobody out there knows about that but it's uh it's a site that basically it creates an SRT file and the SRT file tells basically links the audio to the lyrics but it also like timestamps them so mm-hmm. that the lyrics scroll at the same time as the as the song is playing right that's what basically like if you have an Alexa you can see the lyrics go up yeah that's what works um mm-hmm. Apple lyrics, yeah, Apple Spotify. music lyrics, Spotify, right. all of that, Instagram, and I feel like there's something there to create NFTs. Like it yeah. would be great to have lyric NFTs um, that are official, like officially like approved by the artist. Yeah, because a lot of people like tattoo lyrics and they get attached to lyrics, and it's cool. But like, how awesome <laughs> would it be if you had like the NFT of it as well to yeah. say like this is like my thing, and the artist can either like cap the additions or maybe just make it so that only one person can can like mint each line i think there's like a ton of like potential there and um that would be a cool experiment to do but then what i mostly do with developing access is it's experiments like i just want more use cases because this we're so early that it's so hard for newer artists or or like semi-established artists to like want to go into here so we just need to show
0: right there's yeah. Not enough use cases of like, oh, like that worked out for this many people. Like maybe that's a formula I could follow. Correct. People Correct. are scared yes. if they don't have like the steps set out in front of them. And I feel I like mean, I feel like uh, you know artists that are already have momentum, already right. have you know somewhat of a career to yeah. look back to. Like they're not as interested in experimenting with how they can find new fans and put out music and right
1: exactly and we've also backed ourselves into a corner as a community i feel because we continue to just like rise up the stories of like you need to make a ton of money for this to be successful Mm -hmm. and we miss the story of like the colombian artist from like an obscure town that now has enough funds to continue to record whereas like before this would be like an afterthought for her or something she would just do on social media um and like she maybe she didn't make a ton of money, but she's making life-changing she's money her for dream. her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, But it's also life-changing right, yeah, money Yeah, you're for right. Her.
0: Those stories don't get highlighted as much as no, the like, 20th drop. Or exactly. Or whatever, the, or the, the thing that
1: sold in 20 seconds. Yeah. And, um, and, like, for example, like Sammy's story, I think mm-hmm. it's amazing that he had, was able to rally a community that, like, almost it got very close to, to Snoop's record or closer than anyone I think is ever going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great storytelling moment. But even so, I feel like he, he still didn't get as much attention because he didn't meet the record or it wasn't a ton of ETH. Uh-huh. Um, or maybe he just didn't fit this perfect narrative that we're, that we're trying to build. Um, so I don't know. I just I feel like we're doing a disservice to ourselves by making NFT seem to be about money. We're, that's exactly what we're saying it's not about. Right. Um,
0: yeah, it's a good point.
1: And... I don't know, and it, it also hurts the community because it feels like people entering if they don't sell out within twenty minutes, they feel like, oh, I failed. Yes, I must
0: definitely. Fail. People are so worried about selling out. It's like
1: yeah, or or like, oh, I didn't. I don't even have one whole eighth yet. Like I, I, heard an artist say that, um, and I thought, I'm like, this. Like I don't have a whole eighth, like most of the time either. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm literally just like, um, so, um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting for me to see. To see those narratives get lifted and then and then you know go back to like the developing act and i'm just yeah so most of the time i just work when i consult for artists that are developing i literally say let's experiment and see what happens and like mm-hmm. yes i i have bring a wealth of knowledge and of course i have to pay my bills but for me the priority is more the story than anything else and when i do for me, it's a lot easier to go to, like, a company and say, like, hey, I'm going to do this for you and, like, ask them for money because I'm, like, I know they're funded and they're well mm-hmm. and I'm not taking from someone who's, like, already struggling and yeah. live their dream. So that's that's just the way I function and that's my thing.
0: It's, I mean, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. The space needs people like that that, you know, do it for the artist and the story and... yeah. Um,
1: I, I just, I feel like I, I don't want to make money unless the artist is making money.
0: Yeah. That's I the way I feel Agreed. Very much, like, yeah, totally. Um, so now you're working with, actually, before we get into what you're doing now, how did you get into the Web3 space?
1: So back gal, the artist I was working with before, she, um, she has a really, really passionate fan base. Like, something like I hadn't seen in a really long time and uh, we were working with merch and some of the merch items that the the merch team was presenting I thought were so stupid. Like, (laughs) honestly, I was Uh like, this is not going to sell. And that's, and I'm just saying like, this is proof that like, yes, I'm good at predicting some things, but I also, I'm very wrong sometimes. Um, And I think there was one item, it was like a heart-shaped vinyl or something that you needed, like it was like really complicated to use to begin with. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, who is going to buy this? Like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and that sold out. Like, yeah. Really quickly. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, okay, there's something here. Like, she has a super fashion family. It's so like, what else can we give them? And at that time, I think only The weekend and Shawn Mendes and maybe on NFTs. Okay. Um,
0: as far as bigger artists go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know, like, anyone. like right. it, I was in the label world where, like, nothing else matters. That's another thing that happens when you're working in labels. Like nothing else matters. And every week is release week and it doesn't stop. So yeah, at that point, that's all I had seen. And um, so I thought, okay, they sold NFTs for this. Like I wonder how much money like her fans are willing to spend. So I literally started investigating like who can I connect with? Mm-hmm. Um, I connected with a company out of Argentina. Um, another consultancy company here that's no longer exists. Um, I think they were also in my When end. was this? This was 2020.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, end of 2020. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Early
0: like, for music NFTs. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was early. That's what I'm saying. Like back then, it was only the weekend on Sean Mendes. I don't know if anyone else did NFTs back then. I'd have to look at the timeline now. um So I was like, let's do this. And she was like, okay, this is when I knew what I want to do. And at that time, this is what her team told me. She's like, I want to give them royalty points the art the the fans um i was like okay i like that i'm with you let me see if we can do this Mm. so i would go back and forth logistically the label wasn't set up for this um there wasn't a formal like wallet that was set up for the label like now there is now there's all these other things happening but um there wasn't a wallet there was nothing happening and so i was trying to figure this out how we were going to do it and it just it didn't work out. Like, the legal team kept going back and forth and it's legal I mean, departments. Yeah,
0: the legal issues with, like, distributed streaming royalties are yeah. a oh. huge mess. Yeah. And just, like, facilitating it. Like, it's a cool idea, but it's, like, the royalties don't happen on chain. All that stuff is still And it was oh, so like,
1: yeah, like, it was the onus, like, displaying and how are the funds going to be transferred. Like, is the artist going to be transferring <laughs> the funds right. to whoever is distributing to the collection? Yeah, it's like, all of that hadn't been worked out. So I just, um, I just kind of let it go. And, you know, then when all the reorganization happened, I was like, at that time, I also was having, going through like, um, my grandfather was losing his battle with cancer. So it was like a whole thing. So I was like, I got to disconnect. And that was great. I disconnected, connected with my grandpa. I was able to like, have a really nice time with him before he passed. And then, Like a month or two after that, I was like, let me go back to this NFT thing. Like, let Mm -hmm. me just um, get in there. And I did. And I just started, like, literally just learning and learning and learning and watching videos and talking to everyone. And then I connected with Excellencia. And um, he was like, yeah, I'll help you. I'm all about it. Like, you know, because.
0: Was he into it yet?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellencia was. I think he he's like one of those stories that he's. I don't understand why he doesn't have any more attention because he's had, like, a crowd fund. He's, like, minted so many different formats. Yeah. He's done all these things. And, again, I think it's just the volume of ETH. Like, because yeah. he doesn't have that circle of people just, like, injecting him with a ton of ETH. Um, he's just not getting the attention that, that he probably deserves because he's done so many. Like, he had his token, for example, that he did mm-hmm. with Rally, and then he off-ramped it. Um, he did stuff with Bonfire. Like, he's been doing all these crazy... He off
0: his token from Rally? That's cool. I think so. That seems interesting.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he just... I don't remember exactly... I have, exact- like, a,
0: some other random mutual connections with him. I forget through who, but... Someone put me on to him recently. Yeah. And was like, look at all this shit. I'm like, how have I never heard of this guy?
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, that, that's what I feel like, too. Again, we're doing a disservice to the community by not saying this. Like, He's... So, he runs his own studio. Like, he... he he's connected in the industry. He's li- out of Orlando, too, which is, like, a market that not a lot of people think of.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I have a friend who, like, lives in Orlando and DJs all the time. Yeah. And talks about, the you know, fun, sort of tight-knit scene they have down there. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm sure they do. But I think, yeah, so Excellencia, like, I connected with him and he he was so patient. And even now to this day, I'm like, hey, I have no idea what this means. Can you help me? And he, like, talks me through it and explains yeah. to me. Um, so... It's it's really cool um, that he does that. And so yeah, I connected with him and he was like he was probably my first like web three like actual connection. Everyone else I was just kinda like you know, listening to or whatever. Sure, yeah. And then I cold and I cold DM'd a bunch of people on LinkedIn because that's what I knew. I was like yeah. a professional person. <laughs> um, and then I was like, nah, you gotta go to Twitter. And I was like, okay. I have a Twitter. I'll go back on Twitter. But my Twitter was, like, very political. I'm like, about all the things I believe for. And I was like, I hope this is not, like, a thing that turns people off. Because that, <laughs> that got me in trouble before, right? And like, the uh, professional stance. It was like, mm-hmm. you're being too a little too aggressive with this thing, Stephanie. Like, we don't care, you know? <laughs> um, no, we don't care. Or, like... Yeah. You no, know, we don't. And I feel like because I was at a Latin label, it's so weird because it's so layered. You know, things like all the isms are so layered um, there. It's like, it's uh, not right. the case. Or like, this is a cultural thing. This is not an actual ism thing. Um, which, of course, is always wrong. It's just like an excuse to continue that. But, um, mm-hmm. but uh, so that's why I was, I was really worried about that. And that's what I love about what Ray said. Like, yeah, I'm allowed to be like, I can be a feminist. I can stand for this. I can be an ally, a very public ally. Um, and it's not a thing that's going to be like, oh, we don't want to work with you for that. Um, or I mean, at least I hope not. Yeah. Um, I love that in Web 3 we can disagree in the way we see things and we can still work together. Um,
0: yeah, people have a lot of different perspectives on just you know how the technology is being used and what the,
1: what the purpose of it is going to be right.
0: How do we shape the space and, and yeah, I feel like people definitely when they have different views are like you know respectful of each other.
1: Yeah. And I think I think it's just because everything's so uncertain. It's like we don't know where it's gonna go.
0: Right.
1: Um I also like that I feel like when I was at the label it was very much like kiss the ring, agree to everything the boss says. And like uh-huh. here it's like no, nah, we're not gonna do that. Like we're just gonna like understand that like even though you might be the person with all the resources, like there is a, a reason for us to have a synergy here and work together, but that doesn't mean that you need to publicly agree with me and everything that's being said. Yeah. Like even down to the point where things Things when I was working on the corporate side it was like you can like certain pictures from certain people um, because if the boss sees, you know, it'll be a thing. You know? like, that's not. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just, it just gets that petty. So I would hope that the, that the culture in Web3 is such that like we can disagree. We can say I believe in this. I believe in that. And like, you know, we can still work together when we when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. we'll like work
0: separately. Mm mm-hmm. So that's how you got into Web3. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, now you're full time, like Web3 stuff, right? Yeah. So, how did you make the jump there? Like, what was the path from interest to like actually working and doing all this stuff now?
1: Um, I think immediately I started interested in working. It's just my connections were mostly Web2. So, I was literally just knocking the door of Web2 people saying, hey, this is a really cool thing happening. I think it can help you can connect you with the right people because mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work connecting with these people. Um, but the more I, like, did that, the more I realized that everyone in Web2 was, like, how much money can I make out of this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then I also realized that that's sort of the mentality that everyone and, and, and just the Web2 traditional side has. It's, like, it's all about, like, money, numbers, optimization. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of, inadvertently, I did a lot of deprogramming. And, like, that doesn't matter. It's really about. Yeah. Um, because I already knew that it was really about the story before right but i for me the story was a tool to optimize and now i come from a mind of like the story is the only thing that matters Mm -hmm. and then optimization just comes as like a coincidence like
0: with it yeah if you can tell the best story in a way that brings people in yeah that is the optimal
1: yeah 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 Yeah, that is the thing
0: um you used to work at telly
1: I did. I worked with Tully for a few months, yeah.
0: Is that, was that like one of your more like serious work?
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the more things. like serious formal things I've done. Yeah. Um, for them, it was really just about bringing, you know, artists, artists to the fold, to, to Tully. Um,
0: Is, so Tully's like, uh, it's just a platform for artists to like display all the things they're working on basically right yeah
1: it's a a website building tool it's a
0: website building tool. but it's
1: it's like a, don't know it's like a cool nostalgic way of doing it and I like this idea of having um like like I said like having a website where like there's like fuck the algorithm like here's where you can find all of my shit you Mm -hmm. know um and so that's what I loved about it it's like it, it really like allowed artists to kind of build a world around them and say like, yeah, I'm on this social media and that social media that, but like if you wanna just me, like come here and look at all this stuff. And then you can also token gate pages. So that was like a big oh, selling point. Cool. Yeah, 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 you can token gate pages. Whether it's like actual NFTs or Po ops, that's like available for you. Um you can create like, I don't know, different tiles, even taste maker kind of yeah pages if you want to like maybe if it's not yeah it's
0: cool I guess like I don't know I thought of it as like a more like a more visual link tree which is sort of what it is but yeah yeah it really is just a website builder but it gives people this like sort of creative way of thinking about what a website is I guess
1: yeah it's I like I like the way that you said that it's a more visual link tree because I think that's what it is and I don't know how I feel about the experience of Linktree right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like Telly, definitely feels like more robust and like a like a like a more of a connection. Because right now, yeah, for me, the most annoying thing about Linktree is that every time I click on it, it's like it like shocks my eye with whatever color, you know, it was picked, and then it's just like I literally have to read through and and decide what it was. Yeah, and I know that probably sounds really lazy. Like I don't want to read two lines of text, but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but it's just, I don't know, it's not, like, a great user experience. Um, and also because the artists are just not great copywriters a lot of the times. Sure. Um, so, it's like, it's hard for you to figure out, you know, and so, like, for example, they, they'll say the title of their song, like, on, like, listen to the title of my song. So, I'm like, okay, great, that's where I go to listen to the tracks. Mm-hmm. But then, like, to watch the video, they just put, like, the title of the, of the, of the song. I'm like, how do I know that's the video, you know what, <laughs> yeah. what I mean, kind of thing, yeah. or right with
0: telly it's just visually there
1: exactly so you see i'm like okay here's where i watch the video video. here's where i like listen to the song or like if they write a blog it's sometimes they just put the title of the blog and i don't know that that is the blog you know so it's like those are those are things that are like kind of tricky that people don't realize it's like that's just optimizing your link tree but with telly you're able to like see it Mm -hmm. so it's easier for you to navigate so yeah i worked with them for a couple months um just trying to bring more and more artists on board and and it's cool. They have they have cool little initiatives, and I'm excited to what the team is building. I still have, like, a warm relationship with them. I'm just not formally with
0: that. Yeah. yeah. So is that... What what, what what was there before Linktree and Telly for artists to, like, display all that stuff?
1: Um, Nothing, uh, really, no, right? No, artists were just posting the one thing. I mean, I guess you would say Linkfire was kind of, like, the thing that... Artists were using, mm-hmm. and that's like where they just put the pre-save and all the things come out, or like where you can yeah. play your music. But that's, I feel like that's tied to your single or to your, um, yeah, or to your album. It's not necessarily tied to your. So what's rock next store. for
0: that type of, like, website building and, and showing all the different avenues that you put stuff out on? That's that's like a, I don't know, niche part of music marketing i haven't really thought of the development
1: yeah um, i think i feel like the link tree so the way the way link fire was supposed to work is i was a fan i listened to whatever i clicked on the link fire and i selected apple music mm-hmm. so then anytime i went to link fire it was supposed to automatically take me to apple music because that's what i said was going to be my streaming
0: partner uh-huh
1: that doesn't always work so i think that's what's necessary is that because everyone kind of subscribes to their own streaming platform or way of consuming music we need to figure out a way where we can just take them there with one link that like makes sense for everyone so that's that's the tricky part um and where it just literally takes them there not like oh it takes it to a thing where you can make a choice like we just need to eliminate clicks like there's too many clicks yeah going through everything
0: I just had an idea while you were talking about that. Like, maybe, I mean, I don't know if this is next, but down the road, maybe it's, like, AR. Like, if you have your, like, glasses mm, that yeah. have the AR and you're, like, listening to a song or something, like, their media pops up in front of you and yeah. you just, like, watch the video and you're, like, something yeah. like that. Or, like...
1: I mean, I think that's definitely where we're headed, where it's was, something like...
0: Something more immersive.
1: Yeah, or intuitive, too, that it just, like, Understands like in this, for example, in this household, everyone is subscribed to Apple Music or not Spotify. You know what I mean? Um, Or (laughs) like, if you are Spotify, that's fine. Then like, everyone here is Spotify, so let's give you music on Spotify that makes sense for you. I also feel like algorithms, like Spotify's algorithm is probably one of the better ones, but they're just not getting complex enough. Like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm noticing that even on Spotify, because now I have kids, I'm getting a ton of kids' music, which is fine like (laughs) the kids go to bed you know the kids (laughs) right you know the kids take naps and like then mom maybe doesn't want to listen to that and so then it's tricky because it it gives me like another work where i have to like go through like different playlists that are curated a different way and it shouldn't be like that it should be able to be say oh no kids around yeah here's like let's go back to your to your stuff um thankfully i'm like a music nerd so i don't really go to the playlist I actually like physically look for what I want but right. but I see those recommendations happening when you say
0: physically look for what you want what do you mean
1: I mean like I'm actually I don't I don't go on Spotify click on a playlist and go yeah I go on Spotify and I say this artist listen to right. the album like yeah. this particular album right or this play, like I'm gonna make a playlist myself I want to listen to these tracks yeah. this is what I do um which I feel like the art of creating a playlist now doesn't feel as labor intensive as like burning a cd with all the tracks that you wanted and that's what you're gonna listen to yeah and so that's why i feel like people maybe just do it as like just like a like a passing thing rather than like a a consuming thing Mm -hmm. like a
0: yeah i mean i i was never you know huge music Like I didn't have a passion for music when it was back in like the C D era. Like I was really young and didn't get into like CD burning and stuff, but I you know, when I talk to people who have that's like you get you have a connection to that music that you're putting on there because it's all these steps involved and all this effort required to like yeah. You know, created. Create you definitely a did. Scene. Yeah.
1: And like pe- when people would give me one, I was like, Oh, they put a lot of work into yeah. this so you would appreciate it a little more. Whereas like I'm sure if your friend would've be like, Hey, this is a cool playlist I made, would be like fine and like nice and okay. you would Maybe or I'll not. Listen, to listen it. exactly. <laughs> uh, whereas like, yeah, before it was like that or like I had friends that would like do like Sharpie art on the C D uh-huh. before they gave it to you. And that was like amazing that that they did that. Um, and I also So that's
0: I feel like that's sort of what collecting is becoming. Yeah. Like, collecting, music NFTs is that level of, you know, just connection to a song where, you know, it takes some steps to actually do this, and then you have it, and you're like, you know, you just appreciate that song more now. It's like...
1: Yeah, definitely. There's some... And I really wish... It's funny, because I really wish it was a way to curate even within your wallet, you know, like, that I could have, like, folders, maybe, and say, this is... This is what I think that's going to get there eventually.
0: Although it might take some time. Did you see Instagram got rid of their like NFT function? I I don't
1: know what's going to happen to my feed. My feed is all NFT. (laughs) It's
0: going to disappear.
1: It's going to disappear. I hope they leave it like as it is. And then maybe they allow people to still post their NFTs. Um, But yeah, I think
0: it'd be cool to like be able to have a social platform where you can like put your NFTs in different folders. Like here's the music I'm listening to, and here's like the NFT tickets of the concerts I've been to and here's like you know
1: yeah but like even within the music you're listening to like here's the music that I've collected like yeah you know for this or I've collected for that sure all of that stuff makes sense yeah yeah
0: um yeah it's just a concept people need to like keep warming up to digital ownership I mean
1: yeah and also curation is hard because Mm -hmm. Right now, I feel like we're in a stage where it's, like, people are teetering okay. between, like, how much can I collect? Like, how many yeah. things can I collect? Yeah. Versus, uh, like, I really want to curate it. And that's what happens, too, with social media. Like, right. in the beginning, back in the right. day, people my age, found... we would, like, go out, take a bunch of pictures, and upload the entire folder of pictures to Facebook. To
0: Facebook. Yeah, Facebook albums uh, of like, yeah. 50 pictures from, like, one weekend.
1: Exactly. Um, and, like, <laughs> that's not happening anymore, right? Yeah. People are, like, maybe select the one picture or the one where they look nice. And yeah. I feel like the same thing's going to happen with collecting. Like, people are kind of, like, collector happy right now, the people that are in the space. Yeah. But, like, eventually it'll be like, nope, I'm only going to collect the things I truly, yeah. passionately believe in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm I'm sure that's going to happen, and, and it'll be fine. Um, but I'm happy to say that a lot of the things I've collected, the majority of them I've, like, checked them out, and I truly enjoy. Um, yeah, like, there's there's lots of tracks that i listen to just normally and it's kind of interesting because some of them are not on social media like at the same time uh-huh. i mean not on social media on DSPs. yeah so then i'm like i'm like teetering me like between apps and between things to listen to
0: them right um,
1: but yeah i enjoy it and i i listen to the tracks a lot i'm a, I'm a fan of i'm a fan of a lot of artists i know and, it, and it's really cool yeah
0: what are your what are your thoughts on like putting stuff out as NFTs and putting it out as DSPs, like timing, when should you do one or both or
1: I mean we're still experimenting. Yeah. I'm not I don't think it's a bad idea to to do both. Um because I kind of see like DSPs as like a marketing tool more than like a revenue generating tool.
0: Yeah, that's definitely what it is. It's um, more about exposure than it is. Yeah, so that's what it artists. is. And there
1: are artists like Mozado, for example, who like he's just so good. Like um so his music, like, deserves to be, like, on the SPs and listened to. And I also feel, like, the narrative of, like, the, mu- the, the web through music is mid. Like, it's, it's shitty. is going to continue unless people are listening to that music. And yeah. so we need that music to be on the SPs. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. We do hear a lot of that.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that is?
1: I think it's because we continue to promote the stories of the same artists over and over because they make this volume of ETH Uh versus like really like there's nobody right now that I know of that's like digging in and like truly listening to all of the music NFTs. Yeah. Because every time that someone tells me, oh, music NFT music is terrible. I'm like, have you listened to Mosato? Have you listened to Zand? Have you listened to like Excellencia and all these people? And they're like, no, I don't know who any of those people are. (laughs)
0: You know, like, <laughs> right yeah
1: and then i'm like well i'm like how can you say that when you haven't like checked out all of these right that it's just the few record.
0: headlines that you've seen exactly you don't like that music right like, or like
1: or i even ask like what type of music do you normally like and then right. i can recommend something for you because yeah. it makes no sense like if you listen to r&b i'm not going to be like yes listen to to you know miha and you know like right. it doesn't make sense like you should listen to isador nor like you know listen to jazzy and you you will enjoy this but what happens is the people that are entering this, they basically Google it. And what pops up in Google is like these three artists and they don't like that type of music. Yeah. So then they're like, oh, this music is terrible. Let me go. Or like the headline is this or artist. You know, th-
0: a- I feel like everything just gets lump- lumped in together. It's like Web3 music isn't a genre. <laughs> and that's the other
1: thing, too. Like it's not a genre. And it's so funny because I was like fighting over like someone making a playlist and calling the definitive Web3 music playlist. Um, and I, like, I got into the minutiae of something that was dumb. And like to that person, I apologize if that's the case. But <laughs> then I realized like, Web3 music is not a genre. Like, right. They're just... It's a technology. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's a technology. It's like inflated
0: like, vi- with the sound.
1: Exactly, where a ton of genres exist. And also, it's, um, I don't know. I feel like there's no Web3 artists. Like, they're just all artists. And some of them are leveraging NFTs. Yeah. And some are not. And that, that's what it is.
0: Right, um, yeah, I think. I mean, right now there is definitely that concept of a web 3 artist, and like yeah. that's what they do is make music NFTs. And but most of them still put their stuff out on DSPs, and yeah, they're really just an artist who like has one more stream of revenue and one other tool and technology they're using, yeah. So
1: essentially, what it is,
0: I think, uh, you know, eventually things will change where it's like I've had this conversation with people before like they are not no one talks about like mp3s and wave files and stems and stuff like yep. i mean while well, producers talk about stems but, yeah yeah uh you know we're talking about nfts it's like that's not really what it's about it's just the tool it's just the technology yeah. like eventually you know hopefully things will get to the, the point where you're like oh i have the fan club pass or like oh i own this song
1: right or the like, digital collectible like, like, right i, I yeah. have it I think it's interesting because NFTs are, is a way to front for fans, right? And the younger fans, they have that need to like prove their fandom. They mm-hmm. have a need because also like the psychology yeah, of does, the Yeah, I think that
0: definitely does resonate with the younger generations. Right.
1: and I feel like that's we're not we're doing a disservice to ourselves by keep by just making NFTs to be just about one thing, where they can be very many different things. And I think the connection is is the most important thing. And I think that's what. Yeah. When we call it NFTs, it just doesn't feel like it's a connection. But when you explain it to someone like, hey, this is how this works. It happens. Like I've explained it to um, this um, boy band. I was like, look, if you do this, what you're actually doing is you're creating a connection with your fans where you can see them and they can see you. And no matter what happens, they will um, you will keep that connection like it's not going to be like I've done, but in the past where I told everyone like flock to Facebook and Facebook went down the hill. And I'm like, you're going to have to start over in Instagram. And then that went down the hill. Like you're going to have to start over in TikTok. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be like that. It's going to be right.
0: It is cool. You don't have to like, even if you're using platforms like sound or like manifold or something, or like whatever the platform is, like the data is not tied to that platform at all. Right. And can be, analyzed and transported and plugged into every single tool that uses that blockchain okay so that yeah it's it's portable like yeah
1: and through like like if you look at the metadata too you can see like hey this wallet has collected like every single drop i've ever made yeah top collector like you can reach out and say like how can i like what can what else can i do right that? yeah and that wasn't available to do. Like you, yeah. if you're on on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you can't go in there and say like, Which? "Oh my
0: God, this person's liked every single one of my photos." You just can't. Right.
1: I mean, see. right now, I think Facebook did did release like a top fan kind of thing. But, okay. But again, it's proprietary of Facebook. Yeah. Is right, it really right. a thing? Like how act? Are they actually picking your top fan, or are some just picking someone who's semi-active so they can continue to further the relevancy of, of a platform that you know slowly um just fading to the background
0: yeah. yeah most of my friends and i facebook's just a birthday calendar to us at this point
1: that's exactly exactly what it is for me and a way for me to connect with like parents and like you know yeah yeah parents and like aunts and uncles and my
0: mom. uncle has a great facebook presence posting a lot about my grandpa who's not on facebook right right exactly <laughs> it's and like, bad like bad and birthday stuff. stuff
1: and i i yeah, and like I'll yeah I'll post pictures of like the kids so like the family could see it kind of thing, but it's not it doesn't feel like a like a thing anymore. I I hadn't opened it for months, and then I realized I hadn't, and then I went in there and I was like, oh yeah, that's right, like I have all of these like people that I haven't talked to in ages, which is which is interesting, but also like my Instagram right now, like I removed all of my pictures and I made it all NFTs, and so a lot of people reach out to me and ask like what happened, so I said I'm like you know what I just don't feel. First of all, I feel like a lost opportunity for, for Meta was to remove this feature. If they completely remove it, is this is the best way to avoid person uh, impersonation because only I have my NFTs. So mm-hmm. if anyone else creates an account under my name, which happens a lot now, oh, especially shit. with scammers,
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um,
1: and yes, like they can sell verification, but like we saw how that was messed up when Elon rolled it out on Twitter, yeah. so, especially with people. That could happen too
0: <laughs> yeah that the whole mess was so funny yeah
1: i mean now they've made it so that, like you can't impr- uh, impersonate a company but you can still impersonate a person yeah so it's it's gonna and it's gonna be the same when meta rolls it yeah, out but, like shit. the best way to like avoid I mean, that is through nfts yeah. like because
0: only i have my right NFTs. and that's a whole different use case sort of the like uh id nfts like uh credential nfts mm-hmm. Man, yeah. Tie that into social media, and you won't have any fake accounts anymore.
1: Exactly. Like, it, if you want to get rid of bots and, and all of that, it, and you know the people that are, have docs themselves, like you know what NFTs I have. So yeah. I think that's that's like a sad loss that like we didn't we didn't realize. Um, but
0: still potential for I don't the know. future. We'll I hope, see. I yeah. mean,
1: I thought they were sunsetting the Metaverse team, and the, that's still going. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I and mean, they've spent a ton of money advertising the metaverse. So,
0: yeah, I think it's, you know, right idea too soon. Like, the metaverse isn't accessible enough for people to care about it right now. Most people don't have a Oculus Rift that they right. spend $300 on.
1: Yeah. Or there's people like me that they just make them sick. So it's like, I don't, I have no interest in uh-huh. getting an Oculus Rift. Yeah. <laughs> I I need something more, like, rather than VR, I need something like AR so yeah. I can, like, ground myself. I think somewhere. AR's
0: going to be so cool one day, but that's yeah. also, you know, not there yet at all. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that stuff, like, I like if you could, like, if <laughs> you could be just, like, display it floating there, like, holograms and shit. Yeah. With just my glasses. Like, that'll be really cool eventually, I think.
1: I'm into it. I'm into the there's a certain black mirror aspect to it but
0: yeah definitely i'm
1: definitely into it i think there was a black mirror episode where i think you needed to watch an ad like you had to keep your eyes open for it to like go away otherwise yeah. you did it
0: uh-huh. um i feel like i remember that one
1: and i feel like we're gonna get to that point at some point <laughs>
0: That's why <laughs> that's why
1: anything that has a webcam it's like Better cover it, like just um, in case, because if we just get to the point, it's going to be ridiculous. Right. Like. We're not going to even do
0: anything. Uh, spooky. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: all right, so now I think let's get into yeah. what we are working on now. Yeah. With um, legato. Legato. That's what it's called. They seem super interesting. I mean, I poked around the website mm-hmm. last night. Like the way it's set up, where you can just, you know, it's like one central. Sort of space for the music and the licenses to live and people to buy and everything's distributed automatically. It seems really cool. Yeah. Like, how did you how did you get connected with them and what do you do and what's your role with them now?
1: So I have a few dreams for just like Web three. Um, I want to create at some point. Um, I ever sit down and like put it down and then get funding. Um, kind of like label services à la carte for artists so Mm -hmm. they can kind of come and go and, and buy into it as they need it. Um, that's one of them. And the second thing is I want to figure out how to do royalty collection on chain. There's a lot of people that feel like that's never going to happen because a lot of the industry benefits from from the dark box and the, yeah. being in the black box and all of this thing not being there. Um, but I'm just a really strong optimist. So I really want to bring all royalty collection on chain uh, and create like maybe like either an artist union or like a PRO where you know, this collection happens. Uh, But before we get there, I know that's going to happen. I I truly believe it's going to happen. It's probably going to be like 10 years down the line. Mm -hmm. Um, We need all these building blocks. So one of them is Legato, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And Legato allows artists um, to not just focus on selling NFTs, but also license the IP that is underlying in in the NFT. And that's what most excites me about it because artists should be able to, to retire. It shouldn't be like, Every artist, I admire Violetta, which she does with every one of her drops and the amount of time she spends on spaces, but that is not sustainable. I don't know if she's going to want to have a family at some point, but she's certainly going to want a vacation Uh, and she shouldn't have to always feel like she needs to be on. So, um, so I think that's important for artists to think about how their IP can become residual income, whether it's like streaming royalties or even getting their music placed on a TV show. Um, et cetera. Like, I think all of that is important. Uh, And so, that's what we want to do with Legato. We're working, most of our budget right now is going towards attorneys.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Because they're helping us draft these, like, very easy to understand licenses um, that artists can set their own terms, sell them. There's no, there's pretty much, like, a price set by the artist. Yeah. Um, And then, whoever wants to license their music, they can just go buy it and have the use of the music rather than, complicate the whole system with like attorneys going back and forth and then you having to chase on every single one of your collaborators so that they can agree to this um, thing because that's also happening a lot. Deals go down because the one songwriter decided to go to a retreat to Aruba for a month and you know, he just didn't get back to everyone on time. So, How
0: does and how do blockchain NFTs play into that? Like licensing is still like You know, like people are buying licenses for a commercial, for example. Right. right. Where does the, why are they buying the license as an NFT, and how does everything get facilitated?
1: I think the NFT functionality, I guess, wouldn't be super necessary, but it just does help to verify certain things. Yeah. Um, So one. It, it operates a little bit like a docu sign, where it's like mm-hmm. there's a verification of identity, and everyone kind of like confirms and, and signs on the blockchain. The second thing is also soul bound, so it can necessarily be sold, um, mm-hmm. which also helps. That's a, that's another functionality that um, that you know just helps uh, just work with the yeah. Whole that you can
0: program into right. the thing, and yeah. we are
1: trying to process payments in USDC so that you know people can kind of hopefully you know, offload it and, you know, make it liquid really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, lots of news about USDC recently. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, we might have to pivot to, to something else that makes more sense. But we do need um, kind of a, a currency that's tethered to, to dollars. Yeah. Everyone can get paid easy. Yeah. That's the goal.
0: Uh-huh. So what, I mean, is it, are the licenses like that They're for TV shows or commercials or like, whatever traditional licensing is for. We're, There's so, also a Web3 aspect, like the aggregator side. Yeah, stuff, yeah. Right?
1: We, yeah. We're working on... Our goal is to have, like, 50 or 60 different license types.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right now, we're starting with, like, two or three. Um, one is an ad sync license. Um, and that's something that's happening right now, for example. You can't just do a TikTok ad with whatever song you want. Yeah. You actually have to get a license for it. Um, so these are all going to be probably low-cost license, but it's still money being left on the table that artists can can participate in. Yeah. Um, So let's say your local pizza shop wants to support their local artists and do an ad with their song. This is a way to do it. So we're doing an ad sync license. We are looking for a film license. I think that one's still in the works. And then we do have the aggregator license. Um, So that one is basically just securing um, securing rights for aggregators that want to like bring your music and onto their platform.
0: Mm Um. Did you do anything with licensing previously in your career?
1: I did a lot. I didn't physically work the licensing aspect, but I definitely helped a lot of pitching and, and placement. Yeah. Um, that's. I recommend anyone who works on a label get really familiar with whoever's doing that job at my label, and I don't know if that's changed. They didn't have someone focus on doing um, the genres that I was working in, and so then I spent a lot of time saying, like, hey, what about this, what about that? that opportunity and like just requesting briefs all the time and so i tried to service as much as possible it's interesting for me to see how even the licensing decisions being made by a lot of brands are followed by like the trends of what what is popular so mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool to see that you know they'll like one like a younger artist or you know a female artist or that type of thing
0: it's cool explain that again the last part
1: um like the briefs will say we want a female voice like, yeah for example when the whole me too moment started every brief said female voices only like nobody wanted to necessarily uh-huh. license all uh, male voices yeah um or they would say female voice preferred um because that that's what what they wanted so that's that's interesting for me to for me to say for me to see and also artists don't think a lot about like what brands brand tentpole events are. Mm -hmm. And the artists that do tend to get more licensing. You know, like, for example, Mother's Day is, like, a big thing for Macy's or, you know, even all of of the department stores are looking to sell gifts for moms. And so there aren't a lot of songs about moms. But maybe if you did have a song about a mom, it would get placed right away.
0: Yeah.
1: And it doesn't have to be something like, I'm going to write a song to get it placed. It's just a matter of, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, another topic that's universal that maybe there's not a lot of songs written
0: about. Mm -hmm. Um... Can you talk about the differences in in licensing with like traditional licensing in the music industry and then doing it with something like um, Legato and how it, you know, facilitates yeah. payments automatically and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, as someone who's, you know, pretty deep down the Web3 music rabbit hole, I yeah. can, you know, picture them and understand them pretty easily. But I think I, I you know, it would be cool to hear you explain it
1: yes yeah, so usually what happens there's a brief it gets sent out to the music supervisor or whoever's doing it if it's, if it's a film there's a mu- or a tv show's a music supervisor uh, or if it's like a, a brand it'll be an agency sending the brief out um so it gets sent out to their contacts whoever the contacts are um and at the same time if it is a music supervisor they're also looking for music like on spotify or wherever um If they find the song that they want, um, nine times, well, I mean, there's libraries too that they can look through, but if they find a song and it's not through a library, like say they find a song just on Spotify, Mm. it's not on the libraries that they inspect for placement. So, um, so they go, they try to find all the, all the connections and then they try to find who, who are the publishers, who are the, who's the label, who are all the artists? How can we get everyone paid? They make an offer contract goes back and forth, there's a negotiation around, I would say four to, no, six to eight weeks, probably, that goes back around, everyone settles happy (laughs) on a term. This is the number that's gonna get paid. Fantastic, everyone pays, everyone must submit WTUs, they must submit submit, um, invoices as well for their portion of what they're gonna get paid. And if you live internationally, then you have to file additional paperwork (laughs) so that you can pay taxes. Yeah, all of that happens. Um, and then after all of that, and once everyone kind of hands in their paperwork um, and agrees to the contract, um, it gets signed, payment starts getting processed, and even then it's like it's according to the invoices and what the terms of the invoice were. Usually they are net 30, but some people forget like, to put anything, and so then the default is net 90, and so sometimes it takes up to 90 days. What
0: do you mean, what is net 30? Um, net 90?
1: They, have to, they have to pay in 30 days. Okay. Ninety days or whatever. So some people forget, and it's like, oh, well, actually, at our company, we pay like ninety days if there's no set date. And so, right, those are things that like maybe you don't think about. Um, Then everyone gets paid. The people who's international, they also have to pay additional taxes on that money that they're getting paid because they live outside of the country. Um, So in order for them to get their money, they have to pay taxes off of it. Um, Before they get it. Yeah. Before they get it. Um,
0: Fuck that.
1: Yeah, and then. Kind of it happens, but all all this is happening once the paperwork is signed and and payment has been released, the music will be used and and the exposure will
0: happen. Just
1: it just takes a really long time and it's really complicated.
0: Yeah, that sounds really tedious and annoying.
1: And sometimes what happens is like, let's say there's one U.S. artist and they have two collaborators international. They're like, you know what? Just you collect all of the money and then figure out a way to send it to us. Yeah. So that we avoid the whole rigmarole of like the W twos, the paperwork, the taxes, da da da. Um. But then what happens, right? Like that main artist, is that they collected the money. So when they file their taxes, they have to report that they made the full amount, even though they gave, the, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, it just gets really messy. So that's why something like the is great because it's like all the chains are kind of done, all the, the splits are kind of done on chain. When the person buys a the license, they, all they have to do is say, this is the license that I want. It covers all the things I need. Perfect. The artist says it costs, I'm gonna say a number $100. Wonderful. Um, add to cart, buy. Payment is processed, everyone gets paid instantaneously, and then they have the signed contract that allows them to use the, the music as they want to. So, boom! Yeah, right away, so everyone much better. gets paid. Yes, yes, immediately. And so, if it's $100 and it's like split two ways, and each person gets $50 yeah. right away. Yeah. And they're able to like collect it and, and make it liquid if they
0: want. Are to. people who are looking to purchase licenses from artists on Legato? uh do they have the ability to like send in an offer if they don't want to pay the full the price that's there
1: we i think we do have a way for for people to communicate um with with artists but yeah. since we don't want to be a marketplace we really want to be embeddable on the artist site uh-huh so i mean it's it shouldn't be impossible for them to just recharge to the artist and say hey this is yeah. what, this is what i want and the other thing too that that artists are able to do is they can create new licensing terms and and ability so Mm -hmm. they can say okay you're right like maybe my my fee's a little bit high like I can I can lower it a little bit so I'm just gonna like make one available yeah for you and then after that one gets bought and sold they can like disable it and whatever whatever they want to do
0: yeah or they can use it again like they don't have to go through this whole process again it's like okay well there's the creation of the license and asset that goes with it like if someone else wants to buy it it's available exactly yeah yeah, that seems to fix a lot of issues. Yeah, I mean, it makes it really quickly. Yeah, and especially absolutely.
1: for people internationally who are like, usually like, how are, can we get our money the best way? You know, it's kind yeah. of like a tricky thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how have the, have, is Legato live? Like people are using it?
1: Legato is not live yet. What we do have live is this thing called Robots TXT that helps you... Kind of declare a default license for the NFTs you've already deployed. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of artists are creating these projects, and like artists that have more resources, they're not. They're like actually putting licensing terms in terms of service with their NFTs. But there's a lot of artists that are just kind of doing oh, their own thing, like yeah. putting them out and not really thinking about this because there's no time or just no money for them to to really do this. You know, attorneys can cost you know between. 400 to thousands of dollars an mm-hmm. hour and that's a lot you know if you can afford a mint price you know the cost of minting then chances are you probably can afford to hire an attorney so we created robots DXT, will let you just kind of like input the contract address that you are the owner of and say these are the default terms whether it's cc zero if you want to do cc zero that's great but it's it's so helpful for you to declare it so that people actually do feel confident in using your music yeah mm-hmm. um um, or if you want to do commercial rights, non-commercial rights, if you want to do personal use only, etc., like all of that, you can declare it. And that also helps anyone else is kind of like looking at the blockchain, say, this is how I can use this music. So if it's personal use only, the chances are you probably won't be able to use it. Um, yeah. So then you just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Like even though it is on the blockchain, just, you know, it just kind of covers you in a way that like it allows artists to be opted in willingly rather than like they need to opt out.
0: Hmm. Sorry, I'm really tired. I'm no just, like, worries. You're processing good. Processing everything. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that's quite. I. Nice. I can see how that fixes a lot of those issues with just all those different steps artists have to deal with for, for. And licensing is a huge income generator for the music industry. Entirely.
1: There's so much passive income right now being done from that. Yeah. If you get your song placed, it's like the credits of a TV show you are going to have a very comfortable like passive income um, stream coming to you mm-hmm. for a long time.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. That's probably the best licensing deal you can ever 100%. find.
1: 100%. The, the T- a TV show, I mean. Yeah. You, can you imagine what the song from Friends is making right. as far as like passive income yeah. from those artists? Like that's mm-hmm. nice. That's a nice little retirement kind of thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Anything else you want to touch on? I feel like we're sort of wrapping up here. We're at an hour 23. Pretty easy to time in person. It's way easier to just.
1: It totally does. Um, No, I really think it's just, like I said, I I think as a community, we really need to kind of self-reflect as to what stories we're kind of floating to the top because there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of things that we're missing out on and that, what happens is, I think we're going back to first iteration of things when things have already been done, and I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that's like, "Oh, someone's already working on this. Like, show me what your learnings are and how we can, how we can iterate from there rather than starting from scratch every single time because it's just some, it seems so wasteful to do that. Um, so yeah, so like for me, it's that I want to focus on if if there's any kind of parting words I can have is let's really take a look at what everyone is doing and what learnings we can, we can draw from everyone because it's, there's a lot of great things happening that are just not making headlines. Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly where that is and maybe we have to fix that system, but also let's take the time to like look at other people's stories. That's what I would say.
0: And just keep the experimentation going.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, let's keep it nobody the truth the the most the thing i definitely know i know is that i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> you know
0: i was gonna ask for some predictions yeah, yeah no pretty, i it's don't it's really hard everything it's, moves so fast
1: yeah i mean i remember in the beginning when i was telling artists that like you mint on mint that's a great place to start and that's not <laughs> a thing anymore um, or well maybe it's well going those, back.
0: yeah those nfts still exist no of
1: course of course but like that was a good place to get started yeah. you know and that's we don't have that right, right now. Like we don't have a, like an established kind of marketplace for artists to start, which is, it's, it's sad, but also like, it, it just makes you think, you know, like all these things just move so fast. So you need, you need to be aware of it. Um, so yeah, so definitely think of the one thing I would say is like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I believe in fandom. Like I've always believed in fandom. They have driven culture always. And and they will now, and we, we just have to bring way, uh, figure out a way to bring them on board that that makes sense for them, or like find an artist that makes sense for them too. Like, we're not, you know, it's not gonna, kind of, it, it might be like the Web Three boy band that makes it happen. You know what I mean? Like, and, sure. And that doesn't take away from the fact that if, if whatever else is working. It just that's what we needed to, to inject it. But like fandoms draw people to social media, fandoms draw people to mm-hmm. everything. So
0: yeah. yeah. What advice would you have for artists? Looking to connect more with their fans and build their career.
1: Just focus on your story and being true to yourself. That's the main thing. Um, the best artists are great storytellers, and that's why you need to focus and be, be authentic. And, and talk to them too. Like when we're talking about three, we say so many like there's like so much jargon and like mm-hmm. all this stuff. So like it freezes new people coming in. Um, yeah. So just talk to them i've everyone that i've onboarded just onto web3 it's been because we relate on a personal level you know like the mom like the mom group for example that i connected with we were talking about all these other things and they asked me what i did and i mentioned it (sighs) And they were like oh that seems so hard i'm like i know and you know but it was it was relatable you know it was like immediately they saw something whereas like if you were to just google it maybe the person that pops up it just doesn't look nothing like you you know lives in the west coast and like sure um
0: can't answer your questions no of course
1: yeah it won't answer your questions or or like i said like looks nothing like you looks like a young person with a lot of money and like that's i don't think that's true of web 3 i think there's space for everyone Mm -hmm. so
0: yeah and what about advice for um people who want to work in music non-artists but that's where they want to you know make a name for themselves find a career find a job um want to help artists just
1: network as much as you can and do the same thing like on a, on a personal level like don't worry about getting the job right away like don't start with your pitch start with just connecting with people because that goes a long way sometimes just asking someone about you know how their kids are or whatever mm-hmm. goes a long way people are going to be willing to give you their resources if you just connect with them on a personal level um i forgot who said this but the best leadership advice I got is like, you will never get someone to do something for you unless they feel that you care about them. So that's really important that like you need to, to know that people like people need to know that you care about them.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly more willing to do favors for my best friends than, you know, acquaintances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: Um, all right, Steph. Well, I think that about wraps it up.
1: Sounds good. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: that was fun. I, you know, I appreciate you. You know, getting over here and uh, it's way more fun doing these in person. So I'm, I'm glad we got this done. Wait, wait, wait! Don't go yet. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check the links in the show notes to find and support Steph and her projects. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and followed me on social media at the links in the show notes as well. Also, please don't hesitate to reach out with feedback or comments or questions. I love hearing input from listeners that can help me improve the podcast. And be sure to tune in next week for a conversation with Young Spielberg, a music producer and professional and head of collaborative research at Water & Music.